Welcome to Nuggets Numbers. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Thank you for turn, tuning into the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network on this It's going to be Wednesday evening, Thursday morning when this finally goes up. We are recording this on Wednesday evening after the Brooklyn Nets loss, 135-130. It was kind of a defensive thrashing that the Nuggets took right there. Uh, Couldn't really stop anybody. Uh, It was very frustrating to watch uh, for a team that had just given up 129 points to the Detroit Pistons. To help me break it down is Nuggets... uh, Denver Stiffs writer and extraordinaire, Gordon Gross. Gordon, how are you doing, man? Well, I could be better. Like, I just had to watch that loss. So, uh... It was a tough other... one to watch, right? No, that's it, it's just painful. When the Nuggets only decide to play for about a quarter and a half, it's just some hard basketball to watch, and, and that was tonight as well. Nuggets gave up 42 points in the second quarter. Uh... Outscored forty-two to twenty-five, and at that point, that was really when the game was over. Nuggets tried to come back at various points during the third and fourth quarter, but couldn't really pull it off at any point. Um, what do you think about that? How do you how do you think Nuggets fans should react to losing two games in a row on the road, where the average point scored was one thirty-two against them? It's so tough to say because the Nuggets are so beat up at this point. They have, just haven't gotten their guys. They haven't been able to get um, their whole starting lineup together to play actual basketball in just in just too long. So I don't know that you can necessarily take much from any individual loss. I will say that the fact that the Nuggets seem to be punting defense completely um, and are just relying on jogging through their offense early and hoping to steal a quarter or two at the end um, makes it look like they are a retired team and they're they're just trying to make it to the break. Um, I would like to see them do it with uh, some actual wins. But, I mean, I understand the sentiment. The bench has got to be gassed. There's nobody left who can um, consistently score. It's uh, They're in a tough spot. Like, they just right. are. All, all of the bodies who can score are out there. They don't have enough defensive rotation uh, your point guards are all injured, so they can't contain anybody. It's it's a rough go. Like I I don't know that you can be necessarily angry at the Nuggets. On the other hand, I understand the frustration. I've been watching both games. It's very frustrating to watch a team that you know is better than another team take the loss because they just didn't have the fire. Gary Harris and Paul Millsap were out for these two games, and yeah. uh, probably considered those two the best defenders. And I want to get into the defensive slide a little bit later. Uh, definitely have a lot to say about that for sure. But first, I want to get back to our roots on the Nuggets Numbers podcast and start with our game, Guess the Nugget. This is the game where I ask our guest who this nugget is based off of various statistics uh, revolving around advanced numbers, uh, uh, certain statistics that they've put up in their time for Denver this year. So, Gordon, let me know when you're ready. Yeah, hit me, man. Like, I I got lucky the last time, so we'll we'll see how it goes this time. (laughs) Let's do it. Uh, So the first clue, on the season, this player leads the nuggets in net rating of plus 8.6 points per 100 possessions. Oh. And there's no minute limit on this, right? No. Crap. <laughs> um, 
because I would normally go Jokic, but I know that's not his number. Um, I have no idea what Monte Morris is at. What's Monte at? Well, is that your guess? Yep. Uh, Monte Morris is wrong. Uh, but it, it is a good guess. Monty Morris is very high up there. Uh, second clue, this player is 14th in RPM at their position. In the league? Yes, in, in the league at their position. 14th in RPM. Um, well, it's not Trey Wiles. <laughs> um, let's go with Malik Beasley. You're close. Uh, Malik Beasley is actually twelfth to his position, uh, so that's, that's I a knew very it had to be somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, third clue: This player has a true shooting percentage of fifty-two point six. Really? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Mason Plumley. No, Mason's actually he's much closer to sixty percent. I was going to say he should be on dunks. So. All right, I got final nothing, clue. Man. Who is it? Yeah, who's that? Uh, got? Final clue. This player has played 32 of Denver's 53 games thus far. So is it Gary Harris? It is Gary Harris. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Harris, plus 8.6 net rating. He's 14th in RPM at the shooting guard position. Uh, true shooting percentage of just 52.6%, which I'm sure it's, would it's surprise the, yeah, a lot that's, of people. That's why I didn't guess Gary Harris, because at 52... You know that's that's a stretch, um, but yeah, he's. I mean, he's a good player, just having a rough shooting year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's hard when you're when you're in and out of the lineup to. We don't have your legs. Establish a, a rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. He's, For uh, him, it's the fact that it's been the the adductor, the groin, the hip, the the leg, the. You know, you can't jump into your shot. You're gonna have a lot of trouble. Um, and he does a lot of things perimeter. And you'll see him shoot okay early in games, even recently. And then all of a sudden, he just stops shooting because he can't he can't shoot. I just well, think that they've put him in the games too much recently, and, and I'm glad that he's taking a rest on the bench. I really am. I agree. I, th I think I put this on Twitter a little bit earlier. I think he should be in Tahiti right now or, or some off on some beach just yep. relaxing and then coming back a few days like into the all-star break and getting his mind right. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is take, a guy... take a week, take 10 days, go do something else. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about Gary Harris because this rumor came out earlier today, Wednesday, that Harris wasn't exactly untouchable for Denver and that they had kind of gauged some offers for him. Uh, since then, Adam Morris, our own Adam Morris, head honcho at Denver Stiffs and Matt Moore, uh, the Action Network's Matt Moore have sourced reports that Harris hasn't really been actively discussed in any trade proposals and that that initial rumor was false. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that rumor in general. What do you think of Harris's name being out there? It did come from a guy based in Michigan. I think it was Vincent Ellis. Uh, he's a covering the Pistons where... Uh, Gary Harris is from kind of the Michigan area, Michigan State is where he went to school. Uh, what do you think of that rumor? Well, I mean, Gary Harris isn't untouchable. He's never been untouchable, and yet they love him very much. Like that's 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 the weird um, dichotomy that is Gary Harris is is that they talked about um, taking Gary and uh, moving him for Paul George or moving him in the Paul George Kevin Love deal. 
or his name comes up a lot because he's a good player. The fact that his name comes up isn't a thing that I'm really concerned about. And the Nuggets, in my opinion, really do have to figure out what they're doing with their guards. They they have so many good offensive guards, Gary Harris included. You know, Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley. You've uh, Will Barton is still for me a guard playing small forward at the moment. For you sure. know, you've you've got so many guys who are good offensively, and you have so few guys who are good defensively. It's hard to move Harris, who's probably your best guard defender. But if uh, availability is still an ability, and right now Gary hasn't had enough of it recently, uh, I don't know if if that's going to be a problem for him going forward. And he's the contract you could move. So really, for me, I don't have a problem with his name being in a rumor whether it was raised by someone else or not. Gary's name will come up a lot. Gary's an extremely good player who fits in with a lot of schemes and what a lot of people need. Um, but he also fits well for Denver. So they don't have to move him, and they really like having him on the team. I just, at some point, I feel like the Nuggets are going to have to move someone. Um, and I, I I don't think that Gary Harris should be excluded from that conversation. I pretty much agree with that. Uh, definitely seems like Denver's at least gauging the market from what I understand. Uh, not necessarily to actually sell, but just to, to question who's out there, who's available on an, on the other team's side, and not necessarily saying Gary Harris specifically, but almost necessarily like implying that he would have to be the guy that's traded in that situation. Uh, his contract is one that makes it easier for him to be the guy that's sent out just because he, he makes a very round number as opposed to a lot of the other contracts on Denver's roster. Uh, Paul Millsap has a large number. Uh, Nikola Jokic isn't being traded. Most of the other guys are too small of numbers or aren't necessarily valuable enough to be sent out for Well, you don't have a backup for that. Like, veterans. you could move yeah. you could move Mason Plumlee, but you'd have to get a center back. Like... I mean, you, do you, you don't you don't have enough. You can't be rolling out there with no backup for Nikola Jokic. So, you know, the one the position that you have that uh, has enough people um, who are redundant pieces is guard. So, there are a lot of guards. I don't know that there's enough playing time for all of the guards if everyone ever gets healthy. So, I understand looking at moving a guard. That makes plenty of sense. Beasley's been a beast. You know, Jamal Murray has had those fire um, games where he just can't miss. Um, Monte Morris is the steadiest hand that they have on the on the entire roster. You know, and, and then you've got Gary Harris, who does everything well and fits in next to everybody. Um, and he's just having a little trouble staying healthy right now. One of the interesting factors with Harris is that he seems to be probably the biggest jack-of-all-trades player that Denver has on the roster. Yes. Uh, he is... If, if you if Ace is the best uh, skill for each of each of the following skills, uh, shooting, playmaking, defense, he, he seems to be the jack-of-all-trades in that scenario where he really fits a lot of what Denver wants to do, but isn't necessarily the top end of what they could get. And so that kind of leads me to think he's probably the best player or the second best player on the team last year, at least for most of the year when, when Paul Millsap wasn't healthy. Uh, 
which would lead you to question why they would want to trade him at this point if they think he's at that similar level when he gets healthy or maybe could even improve beyond that. Right. Uh, what do you think Denver should consider if if hypothetically Harris is available? Will Barton has played well enough, although he hasn't had a couple of game, great games lately. Um, Malik Beasley has played well enough to kind of replace him. Uh what should Denver consider if these rumors are true, or, or maybe this is something that they've been considering themselves? What would they be trying to target in that situation? Well, it's, for me, it's really a, a matter of whether you think Jamal Murray can play point. If you think he can play your point guard, and he can defend point guards, which currently he is not doing especially well, but no, he is not. injured. Like, But he's he's never defended point guards very well that this is not a it's not a new thing. So, if if you can't contain the ball, um Nikola Jokic is going to have a lot of trouble maintaining um paint defense. That's just the way that it is. So, I would assume that the Nuggets are looking for more versatile wing defenders. Um or for someone to replace Paul Millsap who looks like he's aging in rabbit ears currently. Um, yeah, and again, that uh, could just be injury. Like the the Nuggets are so close-lipped on injury that you don't know how badly Paul Millsap is injured, and you don't know how badly Jamal Murray is injured with his ankle, and you don't know how badly Gary Harris is injured with the gro- with the recurring groin and adductor problems that he's having. Um, we just don't know, and so because of that, it's it's hard to say what these pieces can do when healthy. But Paul Millsap just doesn't has all year hasn't had the lift, hasn't had the explosiveness. Hasn't had the offense, hasn't had the defensive uh, quicks. He he hasn't been what the Nuggets, well, even what he was for them last year when he was healthy. He has not been that this year, and that's going to cause them any number of issues um, going forward into the playoffs and into next year. So I can understand them looking for a power forward who can play some defense and fit next to Jokic, and I can understand them looking for um, an on-ball defender or a wing defender who can handle multiple positions and it's a little longer than any of the the point guards or the guards that they have for sure uh gonna be interesting to see what they do with harris specifically uh had a couple of uh, ideas to throw out there uh auto porter was a guy who i thought made a lot of sense yep. in a deal uh for gary harris and and the Wizards, for whatever reason, decided that, no, we we don't want a player of value. We're going to go for the salary dump route and just get out of that contract completely, which I can understand trying to bottom out at this point, but still doesn't look like they want to do that, which doesn't make sense. But if they wanted to trade Bradley Beal in, in that case and try and actually bottom out, then maybe it makes sense sending Gary Harris back in that sense and trying to upgrade the talent of the team. It'll be interesting to see whether that were to actually happen or if, or if Washington would actually consider something like that, or if Denver is willing to pay that price, but we'll, we'll just have to see how that goes. I want, I want to save that conversation and table that for a little bit later. Uh, Now, 
we have to get into the Nuggets defense because this has been the Nuggets have defense. They they used to have defense uh, since December first. They've been fourth in offense, very close to second. I think they're they're only point two points per per, per one hundred off of the second place mark, but they are just twenty second in defense. They have dropped to a one hundred and eleven point seven defensive rating, which, like you alluded to, is basically do they have defense really? Like like they. They are not. They are not they're, in a they're position. They're not defending. Yeah. Yeah. They're not in a position where they can say what they're doing is called defense. We'll just put it lightly there. Uh, in that stretch of time since December first, Gary Harris has missed twenty games. Paul Millsap has missed ten games. So they've missed a combined thirty out of a possible sixty-four. So nearly half total of of what a uh, of what Denver can provide there. Do you think it's as simple as? the Nuggets are struggling because of their best defenders are missing, or is there something more that we that we have kind of missed over the course of the first couple of months of the season that's now playing a bigger role? Well, I have to say it does look a lot like last year's defensive squad and not like they started this year. They're not hedging in any way near the same way. Remember how all those hard early hedges and um, step-outs off of screens and, and Jokic is coming out hard on defense? Oh, yeah. They're not doing that now. Like, they, this is a reverted scheme, too, where Jokic just sort of fading toward the rim as guys drive on him. Um, and I don't know if that's a, a factor of him feeling like he can't get fouls because if he's out of the game, they have no one. Um, or if that's if they've decided that they can't play the way that they were playing without Millsap in there to back Jokic up. Um, if they decided to revert back because they were playing more Tory Craig and that's what they did with him last year. Um, I'm not really sure. Like The way that they are playing defense currently, both scheme-wise and effort-wise, is very much like last year, and it's it's disappointing after seeing the phenomenal way they started the year and the kinds of plays and effort they were making on both sides of the ball. And now they're not doing that. They're just running up the court and scoring, and then jogging back on defense and getting scored on, and they're just hoping the other team misses enough for them to win. And up until the last couple of games, it's worked out for them. Um, really. like, and, and they, you know, they fought hard in Memphis and, and managed to pull that out by the end. But really, it, I, I can't really point to any great defensive effort that they've made in weeks where I, where I was very impressed with, with the defense that they played, and it's not just that the other team missed shots. Really, I, I'm not seeing anything from a coaching or an execution standpoint that I'm loving at this point. They gave up 135 to Brooklyn, uh, 129 to Detroit a couple of days ago. Uh, they've had I good think... quarters, man. Like, they had a good fourth quarter. They, they've been good in fourth quarters. They've been saving their energy up and and just coming down in the fourth and trying to save the game. They almost did it again in this game. The middle of the game has been the major issue just because yeah. – they they come out with at least enough energy where where they're scoring well offensively and and things are at least going well enough that they feel like they can get back into it even if they don't have a great defensive quarter right but it's it's just completely fallen apart after that second and third quarters i i would need to pull up the numbers over the course of this let me do that actually right now. Just might as well have the full picture of everything. Sure. Uh, since yeah, de- yeah, since, since December 1st, the Nuggets are 
let's see, uh, 26th in defensive rating at 115.9. And in the third quarter, they are yada, 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 um, up to 18th at 110.8. So not great. Uh, in the third quarter, they get a little bit better after after the second quarter debacle. But like, that's that's impossible to deal with. And and when you're when you're always playing from behind at that stage of the game, oh oh, here's the thing: first quarter's 29th in defensive rating, uh, 122.1 defensive rating. Yep, that's well, it that's means the it means that they can't pull away. So what happens is their starters do all right. They score a bunch. They don't keep a huge lead, the starters go to the bench, the bench comes off, they give up the lead, that that screws up your first quarter, you go into the second quarter, you're not scoring, and this isn't, this isn't even on the bench, we're on the, as someone said the other night, they're on the bench's bench, like, you're, they pulled, they played Leiden in a game, like, yeah. they, yeah. they just don't, they don't have the bodies, you know, they, they're racking up eight or nine guy rotations, and that's not the Nuggets style. They're normally a, a 10, 11 guy rotation on the floor. Um, in the first quarters of games, the Nuggets have the best offensive rating in the NBA at yes. 126.9. Uh, but they only have a plus 4.8 net rating because their defensive rating is so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Like I said, they, they score at will, they just can't slow the other team down. It happened again against Brooklyn. You know, they, they put up, like, what, 30, 30, however many points in the quarter and yeah. couldn't pull away from Brooklyn because Brooklyn just came right back at them. And, and that's the I, thing. You stop scaring teams when you're – if you're going to score but they score as much as you, they don't really care. Um, they lose the fear factor of the fact that, you could, that you're the team that can score 130 points. And that's I what's happening to them again. That happened to them last year, um, and they're regressing – this year, and I I don't know if it's health, um, or if it's just the mix of players that are out there cannot do what they did to start the year when everybody was healthy. But it is a shame, and they weren't even hell healthy to start the year, man. Like Wells, um, Will Barton was was out as of what game three. Yeah. So it's not like they've had their whole complement all year, um, but right now, still recovering. Will injured Jamal. You know, injured Gary when he's on the court, injured Millsap when he's on the court. They just they can't play that kind of defense anymore, and that's going to be a problem for them going forward. They're going to have to slow somebody down at some point. So in the past, uh, since December first, the three players with the highest def- actually we'll go with the five players with the highest defensive rating on the team, which is bad. Uh, definitely don't want the highest. Is uh, <laughs> yeah, don't don't have the highest defensive rating. That's a yeah, terrible idea. The highest is Will Barton, one fifteen point five defensive rating. <laughs> that's that's atrocious. Uh, I believe and, it, and we've been watching him, and you can see it. He just doesn't have the lateral movement right now. And and again, I think he came back early because he couldn't wait any longer. Right. Um, or the or the wherewithal, honestly, just because he he's very focused on his offensive assignments, and I I feel that. Especially with Gary Harris and uh, sometimes Jamal Murray out of the game, uh, he feels like he has to take a lot of responsibility there and relaxes a little bit on the defensive end. And uh, among all of the rotation players so far, the only guys who have a negative net rating are Barton, uh, Wancho, and Trey Lyles. In yep, went uh, since December first. So 
Barton has the highest defensive rating. Jamal Murray has the next highest at 112.9. Mason Plumlee has the next highest at 112.3. I think those are the three players that I'm most disappointed with defensively. I, I would I would hope that Mason Plumlee would create at least a, a decent approximation of what Paul Millsap does. He has the mobility to do so, but I just don't think it has clicked. Well, uh, it's, the problem is he's back to playing power forward again. And that's never been his strong suit. He's a he's a defensive center. I would love to see his splits on his on playing the four versus the five, um, right? And how he's doing, you know what I mean? Because that that's that's where it seems to me that that Mason falls apart is he just can't quite keep up with the shorter, quicker guys. Um, even though he's a very athletic big, um, he's still kind of um, heavy footed on the floor. Yeah, it's it's unsurprising to me that Nikola Jokic once again has the better defensive rating uh, than Mason Plumley. I just I think that what Nikola Jokic does on defense is a lot more subtle but a lot more effective. And with what Plumley does, he it's it's sometimes a big show of trying to hedge out on the perimeter or get up in a guy's grill or then he, he just fouls people and he lets people get by him and. It's just not not a very smart defensive sequence that that continues to happen a lot of the time. So it does, uh, and when I think that sometimes guys are trying to take on too much responsibility. Mason feels like without Plumlee in, he needs to be the guy who defends everything. So he goes for every block and he tries to get the steals, and he wants to some fouling guys. Right. Um, I I just I would love to see guys be able to stay in their lane, but it's really really hard to do at this point. Um, when you just don't have the personnel you would expect to have. All right, here's the the ultimate question then. Can Denver win a playoff series with this defensive talent and this kind of current rotation that they're playing? Sure. Depends on who the playoff matchup is. Yeah. If I told you that they're playing... Could you outshoot the Kings? Sure, you could probably outshoot the Kings. Yeah, and, and... The Kings, for sure. I mean, I know they just uh, traded for, um, or they are, what is it, they are trying to trade for Harrison Barnes at this point? I think that got done, actually. I think, yeah, Harrison Barnes is officially a king. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, that helps them. Don't get me wrong, Harrison Barnes is a decent player. Um, and they, they they could use him at a position of need. Um, although I hope it doesn't stunt Harry Giles at all. They must be playing Harry Giles as a small five going forward, I guess. Um... Yeah, no, I think they're they're playing Bagley and Giles off the bench and uh, as kind of a two big combination. That's been working pretty well for them. But I more mean teams like Portland or teams like Utah. Oh, no. Like they're not they're not taking Portland and Utah playing defense like this. I kind of tend to agree. It's uh, it's stressful because when you when you try to settle into a playoff series. Uh, I think Nikola Jokic is going to play well offensively. I, I don't think that's necessarily going to change. I think the way he plays is going to be interesting just because I think that a lot of his possessions may end with him either forcing things and and whatnot, but he's going to get attacked in, in the playoff series defensively, and the Nuggets need guys who can prevent him from getting attacked on a consistent basis, and I just don't see Denver having those guys. They uh, have to stop paint penetration, man, and they have no one who can do it right now. Like, this is, it just reminds me of the Rockets games from last year, where they were throwing um, uh, oops, right over the top of Jokic every time down. 
every time down. And you think that um, Nurkic and uh, and Willard aren't going to be doing that? You know, you think that's not going to happen in Utah? Come on. Yeah. No, that's a uh, that's going to be an interesting thing. Um, interested to see how Gary Harris and Paul Millsap can get healthy, and if they can ever get healthy, it would yeah. be nice to see them kind of get into a groove and get into a, a nice little rhythm together as a unit before the playoffs start because this this five-man unit still has yet to play together since game two. Uh, that's it's just stressful. Tough. There, it's, there's, there's so much that, as a team, that you try to keep an eye on, that you try to make sure that you know how to attack another team. And this team hasn't played together long enough to know how to attack on defense or how to attack on offense. Um, they they had they came out of the gate. They had a nice start to the season defensively. Um, they had a, a new plan of attack, and that's all gone out the window with the most injured roster in the league. Like there's nothing that you can do if if you literally lose three four starters out of your original lineup. There's there's not a lot that you're going to ever be able to do to uh, continue with your old. Um, uh, schemes and your old plan that plans out the window and their new plan is don't get too tired score enough hope it works I don't know if that's Malone's plan but that seems to be the team's plan and I just I don't see that cutting it in the playoffs so I'm really hoping for some health uh, after the all-star break because this team really needs it agreed tell you what let's take a quick break and we'll be right back Gordon Gross here talking with me. Uh, he's at G Money Nugs on Twitter. I'm at NBA Blackburn. Uh, Want to get into the trade deadline now? We we broached the topic a little bit talking about Gary Harris at large, but wanted to see what Gordon thought about this general trade deadline from a Nuggets perspective, from a general NBA perspective, and we'll see if we could have some interesting talk about that. All right, Gordon, wanted to start off a little bit talking about the Nuggets, and we had mentioned defense. That was a big deal. Uh, do you think the Nuggets should try and acquire more defensive talent in the next few hours, even if it costs them something long-term, or, or do you think that they should stay pat and just not rock the boat? I, I think it's become pretty obvious that that they do need more defensive help. Um, they They can't ask their young players to do it all um, and they only really have young players uh, but it's uh, the limitations of players like Trey Wiles and Juancho Hernan Gomez on the defensive end are pretty clear the defensive shortcomings of their guards injury like um, explained or not I don't really care if they can't defend because they're hurt or they can't defend because they can't defend there's no defense happening and so you'd like to see them get some some help for either of those positions um, out there on the court because if you can't if you can't stop the penetration you're gonna need um, uh, weak side help and if you could stop the defensive penetration maybe you don't need as much as much paint help but they're gonna need one or the other and I feel like there are either they're expensive options there are cheap options 
they can do any number of things to address it, but I, I don't think that you can roll into the the playoffs just hoping that your guys get healthy enough to remember how to play defense. For sure. Uh, who do you think is the most likely Nuggets player to be traded? Um, at all, I would say Trey Wiles. That's fair. I think I would go with Tyler Lydon uh, just because I think he doesn't really serve much of a purpose for what Denver's trying to do right now, and he could at least be a contract that could match whatever the Nuggets are trying to acquire. I mean, I can see that. I just don't... I feel like Trey Wiles still has some believers in the league, and Wyden hasn't had a chance to make any. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree. Lyles would be my next choice, and then Isaiah Thomas after that. Still right. haven't heard anything from Isaiah Thomas. Uh, he's supposed to make his, his proclaimed debut uh, against the Miami Heat on February 9th. Uh, that's in uh, two days from when this podcast drops. Uh, should be interesting to see if that actually happens. Uh, they could use him. I mean, I don't care if he plays 10 minutes. He won't play defense, but no one else does either. Yeah, that's getting to the point where you just have to play good players. You can't necessarily worry about uh, how much defense a, pl- a specific player adds. It's, it's if, about... if you're going to have to score 140 to win, then score 140 to win, man. Like, that's just how it goes. Yeah, as long as you're you're winning by a large margin, uh, that's <laughs> that's where that's where we're at with that. Um, I asked you before this podcast to come up with three players that you think the Nuggets should pursue. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be at this trade deadline in general, but I thought it would be wise to talk about players that they could potentially pursue at this trade deadline, or maybe pursue in the summer. Uh, let's see, let's see what you came up with. I, I want you to give me one of your players that the Nuggets should pursue? Um, I'm still on Drew Holiday. I'm not going to lie. Uh, That's a good choice. He's available, apparently. Um, and I've maintained for the last year that I'm not sure that Jamal Murray and Gary Harris aren't two guys aimed at one position. And that neither of them plays defense well enough uh, against the kind of shooters that they're going to see in the playoffs and the kind of scores they're going to see in the playoffs um, for them to be the ultimate answer together on this team. So, Drew Holiday is a defensive point guard. He's in his prime. Um, he's an incredibly efficient scorer. Um, right. I, I, people forget that about him, but the guy knows how to score. Even what, even on increased shots this year, his you know EFE goal percentage is still you know above Gary Harris's. Right. Um, He's an interesting guy. I I I definitely tend to agree. He didn't make my list for the sole reason that I think the Nuggets are definitely still committed to what Jamal Murray can try and do. Uh, and and the guys that I'm I'm really looking for are the guys that could maybe surround a Murray Jokic team going forward. Uh, do you think that Drew could play next to Murray and Jokic? Well, I still think that if if you moved Harris, for instance, that you would play Murray as a combo guard um, yeah. and he would play more shooting guard off ball, which I think would help him. Um, but you could still play two uh, shooting guards technically or two point guards or two any guards with Jokic as long as those guys can shoot. 
I agree. And I so because of that, be... I don't I don't think it necessarily matters where Jamal Murray plays. He would play. He would play next to Morris. He would play next to um, Drew. They'd all play on ball. They'd all play off ball. They'd all cut. It, they'd just play Jokic ball, and it would be fine. It would be a really interesting trio going forward. Uh, two guards that are that are interchangeable. One is definitely more defensive-oriented. One is maybe more of a an offensive creator going forward. Uh, though Drew Holiday is, as you say, no slouch. Uh, he's averaging 20 points and 8 assists. Like, Yeah, he, he does all right. Like, you, the, guy, you the guy can play ball. You don't do that by, by being terrible on offense. So he's a, he's a guy that I think is, is very interesting. Not sure how available he is, of course. Uh, everything comes down everything, to him. Everything right now for rumors out of New Orleans, I'm taking with a grain of salt. Yeah, I'm just assuming that he could be had for a package that Denver could put together, and they desperately need those defensive chops, in my opinion. I just think they're going to need them going forward, and I don't want them in guys who can't shoot. We've already seen with Torrey Craig how it affects the offense um, to a significant degree if you have a guy out there that is not at all feared as a shooter by the defense. I think it's fair to say that no Nuggets guard is ever going to be as good of a defender as Drew Holiday is right now. So yes, that's a that's a fair assessment. All right, give me your second player. Hey, you haven't given me anybody yet. I know. Have... I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as a rental goes, if the Nuggets are not interested, um, in kicking out significant pieces in a deal, but you want to add a, another player and another defender. I have no problem um, if the Clippers are cashing it in to go after um, uh, Patrick Beverly again. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good option. Um, he's, he's simply a rental. Um, he's you know on a on a low contract. Um, if you wanted to bring him back after the year, you could. He would give you um, great defensive chops. He'd give you the ability to switch on some um, on some guys in the playoffs. Um, a nice bulldog mentality. I have no problem with that. That's that'd be a quick uh, switch, and you're looking at moving somebody. I don't know if it would be Lyles because um, he's about to get paid, and, and I'm sure the Clippers don't want to do that. You could cash in Wancho and maybe work out something. It, it would probably Wancho's a little more than Beverly, probably. So you're in between on those guys, but I think you could definitely do that and get somebody to ha- hound some. Uh, um, some point guards and even shooting guards, um, and uh, more insurance for your injured ass team. Like honestly, yeah, I, I, they need all the guards they could get. Apparently, so I could see that. Right now, I think with Denver, you've got five guards and wings that really deserve rotation minutes at this point. You've got Murray, Harris, Beasley, Monty Morris, and Will Barton. Right. Um, Patrick Beverly would add to be a sixth guy, and that's kind of a that's a tough thing when you're trying to craft a rotation. But it might be a necessary thing for Denver if they want to move in the direction that they need to move. And that's uh, here's a here's another guy with defensive chops that can take tough assignments. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what he gets on the trade deadline and and if Denver were to actually go after somebody like that. Uh, but you're right. I don't think he would cost any of the any of Denver's five current guards, and I think that he would be great for a playoff push. And 
Well, Denver. and you've got you've got to at least consider that you that you need some people like this, some players, um, as available options. Um, right now, Denver has a lot of similar guys, which is actually really useful. But if it's not working, you playing that style of of ball, you don't have a lot of switch it up. You can say, well, Jamal Murray's not making shots today, put in Malik Beasley. But you can't say, Jamal Murray is not defending anyone today, put in my defender. Because you don't have one of those guys. Yeah, that's a that's a fair assessment. Right now, Denver uses Torrey Craig as that kind of point of attack defender. Uh, and I just don't think he's very good at that, especially against guards, small guards, where they kind of... Uh, separate off the dribble and he he can't really stay in front of those guys like a a Kemba Walker type or Steph Curry or or guys akin to that they need a guy who's smaller and can actually keep up with those guys a little bit Uh, Patrick Beverly would certainly provide that Um, all right give me your third guy um well the problem is there's I would love to get a um uh, another power forward in case Millsap really is not good to go this year. Um, uh, even somebody who can switch between the three and the four. The problem is trying to figure out who you can get. Stanley Johnson just got moved. Um, Tobias Harris got moved as a as a three. Right. Um, Otto Porter's out as a defensive wing because yeah. he just got moved. It's too bad. So I would go probably with um, potentially Robert Covington. Interesting. Interesting. Robert the problem Covington. is I don't know what you can give to the Timberwolves that doesn't help them out more than Covington actually helps you. Well, that's fascinating because Robert Covington made my list too. Hey, there you go. Uh, he's a guy who you don't necessarily expect Minnesota to part with him at the trade deadline. Right. I don't necessarily think they, that that's a viable situation for them. They probably still want to fight for the playoffs, even though I don't think there's a chance in hell that they can get there. They'd um, have to go, what was it, 29 and 10 on the way out? or Yeah. Nine, whatever it is, they have to go 19 and 10? Whatever, whatever uh, they have to go, it's a lot. It's 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 a very high number uh, to get to 47 wins for them. Yeah. Uh, but Robert Covington hasn't really played a lot. He put up Defensive Player of the Year caliber numbers earlier in the year. Uh, on both squads, on the on the 76er squad before the Jimmy Butler trade, and then he turned the Minnesota Timberwolves roster into some defensive juggernaut, which was very shocking. Uh, they played really well with him out there, and he's one of the guys that you can deploy on a on a quick guard or a versatile wing who who can score at all three levels. And Covington has playoff experience. He's one of those guys that you don't necessarily know uh, when you're going to need him, but the, the best place to need him is probably in the Western Conference Finals when you have to have somebody match up against Kevin Durant. Yes, uh, he's the sort of guy that you want to have in your arsenal to deploy on, in very specific purposes. There's a reason that guys like Robert Ori, as an offensive version of that, has a bunch of rings. Because he fits a role, he knows his role, he handles his role, he's not asking for a bigger role, he just knows what he wants to do and he does it. Um, there are reasons that you have defenders who can do that too. It's not just an offensive guy's skill set. There's times where you need a guy and you just say, go out there and make life hard for him. You can't stop him, but make life hard for him. Um, that's important. The Nuggets right now don't have anyone who makes anything hard for anybody. 
it's going to be interesting to see how Denver handles this. Uh, they have a lot of guys offensively on the wing who are very good and not a lot of guys who are very good defensively. As we have made mention multiple times, Robert Covington is the guy who kind of bridges both gaps. He is obviously more defensive focused, but he's a sharpshooter from the outside, decent cutter, uh, isn't necessarily going to be a liability at any point in the game. Uh, he's a guy who I'd, who I'd love to target if, if I was running the Nuggets, just because that's a guy who makes Jokic look even better. Uh, well, and there's, there's so many... It's funny, because this Nuggets squad is so much fun, and they have so much talent, and they're nowhere near their ceiling. What we're talking about is how do you get closer to your ceiling, not how do you, you know, make it to the playoffs. The Nuggets are yeah. making the playoffs. The question is, how do you turn over this roster in the next couple of years to refine it? Because you've got plenty of good talent on it, but some of it's redundant, and some of it doesn't quite um, fit on a ceiling level against the other teams in the West. And that's all you got to look at. So that starts at this trade deadline. It'll happen again in this offseason. You've got to look at are there options available for trade that you can take advantage of to turn your team into a more competitive team. In other words, to do the opposite of what the Houston Rockets did when they gave away all of their veterans and defensive players this year. Zach Lowe made mention of a point that Draymond Green made. Uh, a, a great phrase that he coined, there are 82 game players and then there are 16 game players, referring yep. to guys who can perform well in the regular season versus the guys who excel in the playoffs. Um, yep. Robert Covington, to me, is a guy that Denver would need in a playoff series. He matches up with everybody. He can switch. He spaces the floor. He didn't have a great showing against the against the Boston Celtics, but I don't necessarily attribute that as much to him. Uh, ben Simmons struggled the hell out of that series, and J.J. Yes. Redick struggled the hell out of that series defensively, and, and that entire Philadelphia 76ers team was kind of trounced, but I don't think it was Robert Covington's fault. I think he was made a little bit of a scapegoat there. Well, the uh, fact that they that they got rid of him in the way that they did, I know why. I mean, Jimmy Butler's a, you know, when you're trying to add top shelf talent to your team, I get it. I definitely get it. But rolling um, Covington and Saric out of town was was very surprising to me. Two more guys that I want to make mention on my side. Uh, these aren't guys that necessarily the Nuggets could get now, nor do I think that they should try and get now. But Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. I know that we have talked previously about him. Uh, he doesn't necessarily fit into what the Magic want to do going forward. They need to tank. They need uh, an avenue to get more upside, more talent on their roster. Well, they need to tank, and they uh, he's also occupying the position of, you know, that you would, I think, would want to have Jonathan Isaac in. So. You would think so, and, and they've been playing both of those guys together next to Nikola Vucevic. They've been playing Mo Bamba off the bench. Uh, well, now Mo's injured, and but again, it gives another reason to tank. Yeah. Like you, you can definitely tank this year. Aaron Gordon is very switchable, a lot like Robert Covington. Maybe not as popular. He has the athleticism to play on the perimeter to defend multiple positions. Uh, 
and has gotten better at it and has and has gotten way better at it he's shooting the ball much better this year much more creative offensively he can play with Jokic uh, I think he could play in the dribble handoff game a lot better yep still um, jumps out of the gym yeah like you can still throw the guy wobs all day keep an eye on a Gary Harris trade for Aaron Gordon down the line that's all I'll say I I wouldn't be opposed yeah and, and the, I love Gary Harris and the last guy is Jalen Brown um uh, that is probably a hot take just because you don't ever trade with Danny Ainge if you can help it. I see the situation that's unfolding in Boston and with Kyrie Irving potentially maybe he's bouncing to New York and the the Celtics don't necessarily know what they're going to do if things go awry and Anthony Davis goes to the Clippers and uh, Kyrie goes to the, the Knicks or something to play with Kevin Durant. Uh, if you're the Celtics and your star point guard moves out of there, and would you rather pay Terry Rozier this year uh, in addition to Marcus Smart, or would you rather add Jamal Murray in a trade for Jalen Brown to 2016 draft picks, uh, very similar in terms of talent, very similar in terms of they could be great playoff players, uh, still have a lot of upside, and just roll the dice if you're Boston on that core and and Murray and Tatum going forward as opposed to Brown and Tatum. Right. And if you're the Nuggets, <clears throat> that's the guy who, when you're talking about defensive versatility, who can perform well in the playoffs, uh, that's kind of the prototype of guys that you were talking about. Yeah, I would laugh at that so hard because I was so anti-Jalen Brown coming out of college. Not because I didn't think it would be Me good. Me too. But because I thought that the Nuggets would screw up a player like that. Um, because they had nobody... They had never been able to get anybody who could um, play defense and not shoot. Um, I didn't trust Jalen shooting. I didn't trust him to make him into a shooter. And I... The, the team had been one of the worst shooting teams uh, from, out, from distance the previous year. And I wanted a guy who could put it in the bucket. So I definitely did not want Jalen Brown that year. Um, and he went to the perfect situation for him. Uh, I would be curious to see how that would go down because Danny Ainge would want so much from the Nuggets. He would. Um, he wouldn't get it. He <laughs> he, he wouldn't would get have it. That's, to, uh, yeah, Connolly loves his guys, man. He's Connolly's not giving you four of his guys for one of yours. Yeah, and and I think that Celtics fans would totally understand if Jamal Murray for Jalen Brown works straight up, and that's just what both teams should do uh, if Kyrie Irving were to walk out on them and they quickly need a scoring point guard. Uh, if I told you that Monty Morris, Malik Beasley, Jalen Brown, uh, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, Nikola Jokic, is that seems more akin to the, the switchability, defensive-minded group than a group that's headed up by Jamal Murray, correct? Uh, yes, I agree with that. Uh, it, it makes you question whether whether doing that is more interesting going forward than going forward with the Murray-Jokic combo. And, and I know Nuggets fans aren't going to want to hear that. Well, uh, it's, it, it's the problem is, is we're talking about things that you could do with the trade deadline. It's not like, oh, I'm sure that somebody's headline out of this is going to be 
they do not like Jamal Murray and are trying to trade him for everyone. This is a trade discussion, and the most valuable pieces on the Nuggets happen to be Gary Harris and Jamal Murray of the pieces that will be traded or could right. be traded. Because we all know Nicole is not going anywhere. Yep. So yeah, the at that point you start talking about other pieces. We didn't you know we didn't talk about an Anthony Davis trade because obviously that doesn't make sense. You wrote an article on that, so yep. you're, we're covered. <laughs> um, but really, yes, like <laughs> there there are so many good pieces on this team. It's hard not to love every one of them. They're all really good players. Tim Connolly's done an amazing job of putting them together. Now the question is, can you build a roster out of it that maximizes their court time in in the playoffs when you're cutting it down to an eight-man rotation, nine-man rotation, are you going to get enough guys on the floor? Because um, the Nuggets are deep enough. You know, you got five guards who can all play. That's great. You're not going to use that in the playoffs. Yeah. That's going to be that's really Boston's interesting. Problem. That's the same yeah. problem that Boston's been running into in the fact that they're a very deep team, but maybe they need to consolidate some of that depth. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. Um, all right, last couple of questions for you. Uh, what have you thought about the NBA deals that have gone down over the course of the last couple of hours or last couple of days? Uh, Tobias Harris getting traded to Philly. Do you think that makes them a finals contender? Um, probably, because I'm a big fan of Tobias Harris. Me too. I think he's really good. I think he's he's one of the most underrated. underrated. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, the question <laughs> is whether there's going to be enough ball to go around in Philly. Um, well, that was a question with the uh, with the Golden State Warriors, and, and they've they've somehow made it work. Um, they have. But I think they it's have. different. Um, I, I, think it's, I think any team with Jimmy Butler on it instead of um, Steph Curry is, is different that way. Yeah. How about the Otto Porter to Chicago deal? Well, I think Chicago just stole Otto Porter. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they just gave back, what was it, like a 20-something 20, 20 pick, and um, they gave Jabari Parker. It was just expirings. It's just clearing cash for Washington, and Washington gives up a really good player. I was really surprised that that Washington did that so quickly. I I, I would think well, that... there's been a lot of quickness on this on this deadline between Chris Tapps and um, Otto Porter, and you would think that there would be more time taken to make sure you get the best deal, and you're closing it in the last minute. And they're just throwing guys overboard at this point. It's been yeah. a very strange trade deadline. Do you think Luka Doncic and Chris Tapps Porzingis is the best young duo in the NBA now? Um, that's hard to say for me just because I'm looking at Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and they're doing just fine right. so I don't know that I would swap Jokic and Murray for Doncic and uh, um, and Porzingis I don't think I would either and especially given the injury issues uh, that's I, gotta see, I gotta see I gotta see Kristaps stay on the court um, I think it's a good situation for him I, I think that I think that it's a good team. It's a good coach. It's a good um, uh, position switch, in a sense, to a team that will use him the way he should be used. So I'm looking forward to seeing it, although I'm annoyed that it's in the West. And Dallas just traded Harrison Barnes to the Sacramento Kings uh, for Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph. Uh, thoughts on that? Do you think Sacramento did well there? Um, 
I do. Uh, I, I think they gave up pieces that they don't necessarily need as they're trying to play through their young guys, and they got a, a player who's been around, who's been on championship squads. One of their problems with, with the Kings has always been that their, their personalities um, have been dominated by guys who haven't necessarily had NBA success. Um, right. So DeMarcus Cousins is a very great player who never made the playoffs, and now at least you have Harrison Barnes who was has the experience with the Warriors who, you know, has championship hardware who, you know what I mean? No, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Dallas does. They've freed up some cap space. Uh, they may go after some guys in 2019 free agency now. That's, that's not something that I would have considered before. Uh, but Doncic, Porzingis, and then insert free agent here maybe a maybe a pretty good team down the line I I think Dallas is on the come up again because and again it all comes back to knowing who you had in the draft and, and nailing that pick yeah um, uh, we all loved Doncic coming out of coming out of Europe yes we uh, did we all thought he should have been the number one player selected yes we did <laughs> so the fact that that uh, they managed to snag him was uh, a tremendous get for them um, it's it makes me wonder if Michael Porter Jr. can do next year what Doncic has done this year. Um, that would be where something. Where that puts the it? Nuggets? That would be like that would be fascinating. Because again, a guy who should not have been selectable at your draft position was selectable for reasons unknown to man. Um, and you've decided to jump on that and see where it goes. Doncic was healthy and and Porter wasn't obviously, but. Luca's a tremendous, tremendous player. I, I love seeing his instant success. I expected it. Um, and he should be taking Dallas back to the playoffs. It's up to the rest of the teams to keep up. Like, the the West never stops, man. The East does whatever the East is going to do, but the West never stops. Last question I have for you. Do you think Denver will make a move in the next few hours before the trade deadline? What percentage chance would you give for it? 30. <laughs> That seems about right. I, I and, and I don't expect it to be a big move. Could they make a big move? They could, but I would be shocked to see it. Tim Connolly likes his guys. He's been right about most of them. Um, to a large degree, to like an absurdly large degree, he's been right about most of them. You know, you had Nurkic and Gary Harris, and that was a, that was a slam dunk, crazy success. The fact that Nurkic personality-wise didn't work out because we also got a Hall of Fame player in Nikola Jokic. Well, I'm sorry you got too many good players. That's a that's, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. I can't really complain about that. It sucks, but I'm sorry that you're so so successful that you have to get rid of good players at below market prices. And so he's going to avoid doing that again. That was his major move um, on, you know, the deadline before and uh, I don't know that he got burned necessarily, but it certainly didn't he didn't necessarily win that trade as Nurkic is showing how what a great player he actually is. Um, and so I'm sure that Tim is leery of giving up another young player on the cusp of becoming a really great player and not getting back the return that he would want for it. So I kind of expect him to sit this one out, except for maybe some small moves. But yeah, I, uh, I'd say 30% chance or so that he does something serious. I think or he doesn't think much at all. Yeah, I think that 30% chance is 
pretty close in, in what I would guess, and I think it's a 95% chance that if that 30% occurs, it involves either Trey Lyles, Tyler Lydon, or both guys. Agreed. Uh, I'd throw Wancho in there as a Dark Horse team, maybe, but I agree. Yeah, that's that'd be interesting. It, it's tough given Wancho, but I think he's been one of the bigger disappointments since a hot start. Um, well, and it, it may just be health-wise, but again, there's no way to know with them. And at some point, it, some team may want Wancho over Lyles, and you decide to make a call. I don't know. All right, well, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, got about an hour for you guys. Uh, Gordon, thanks for coming on. You can find Gordon's uh, Twitter ramification or ramifications. What is that word? Ruminations. Ruminations. There you go. There you That's go. the one. Uh, I'm there for you, buddy. At G Money Nugs on Twitter. Uh, find his writing. Find his work on Denver Stiffs at denverstiffs.com. Uh, I'm at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. You can find this podcast at denverstiffs.com as well. Thank you so much for coming on, Gordon. Of course, man. And I appreciate it. And tomorrow we'll see uh, if the Nuggets hit that 30%. All right. We will see you guys in a couple weeks. Bye.